Have you found Joshua 14 yet? We're actually going to be in two books. The guy I want to talk about tonight is a guy that has sort of has intrigued me. He is mentioned in uh, a number of books. He's mentioned in the book of Numbers, the book of Joshua, the book of Judges, the book of Deuteronomy, uh, Joshua and Judges. He's an unusual guy. And it's even more unusual than that when we get here, and I'll mention that to you. But in Joshua chapter 14, and starting at verse 6, Then the children of Judah came unto Joshua and Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Gennesite, said unto him, Thou knowest the thing that the Lord said unto Moses, the man of God, concerning me and thee in Kadesh Barnea. Forty years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to espy out the land, and I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren that went up with me made the heart of the people melt. But I wholly followed the Lord my God. And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. And now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive, as he said, these forty and five years. Even since the Lord spake this word unto Moses, while the children of Israel wandered in the wilderness, and now, lo, I am this day fourscore and five years old. As yet, I am as strong this day as I was in the day that Moses sent me. As my strength was then, even so is my strength now for war, both to go out and to come in. Now, therefore, give me this mountain. Whereof the Lord spake in that day, and thou heardest in that day how the Anakims were there, and that the cities were great and fenced, if so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for inheritance. Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, unto this day because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. And the name of Hebron before was Kerjath Arba, which Arba was a great man among the Anakims, and the land had rest from war. And may it please the great God of heaven that formed all things to stamp his divine approval upon the reading, hearing, heeding, and preaching of his forever settled in heaven word of God. And before I ask you to pray with me and for me, may I give you three quick facts about the Lord? For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth to all generations. Would you pray with me and for me, please? Father, who am I? I am nothing except for what God has done in my heart and my life. Thank you, dear Lord, for the opportunity to be at Gospel Baptist Church, this church that has had great testimony over the years. And Lord, through its ministry, whether it's gospel track ministry or preaching ministry or bus ministry or billboards being against abortion ministry and the people here who have been faithful, whether they went restaurants to be a witness for the Lord, you're a great God, a wonderful Savior. Dear Lord, we love thee tonight. I pray for Pastor Bill that you'd please to touch him and uh, may he be on the, uh, the verge of just being over shingles. Protect Kathy from catching anything. Meet their needs, O oh Lord. We pray and ask all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. It's not so important how old you are, but it's how old, how you are old. Satchel Page, who was a black baseball pitcher of yesteryear, he said, 
How old would you be if you didn't know how old you was? That is a very thought-provoking question. A man went to the doctor about his wife's hearing. He said, Doc, she just can't hear anything. What should I do? He said, well, just talk louder. So he went home, and she's standing at the kitchen stove, and she's cooking. He said, uh, honey, what are we having for supper? Nothing. She didn't say that, but it was no silence. It was just silence. He talked a little louder. He said, honey, what are we having for supper? Still no response. He got a little closer. He said, honey, what are we having for supper? She said, George, for the third time, spaghetti. (laughs) I'm afraid it's all a a part of getting old. I heard about this old guy. He was shuffling out of the mortuary, been down to the funeral home. And uh, the funeral director, he said, excuse me, sir, but how old are you? And with a squeaky kind of voice, he said, 104. He said, well, that's hardly worth going home. Why don't you just have a seat over there? (laughs) You know, they say the stages of of manhood is there is uh, infancy, adolescence, youth, adult. You're looking good, and don't he look natural? (laughs) You know, in the Bible, there is no cult of age or youth, either one. Both age and youth have their tragedies and their troubles and their triumphs. You ought to live for God as long as you have a mind to do that. You need to learn about God early on and trust him and serve him. In Psalm 71, 16 to 18, the psalmist said, I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth. And hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. In the text that I read to you, there were two ages that were mentioned. He said, first of all, he was 40 years old when something happened in his life. And now he said, this day I am fourscore and five years old. He's 85 years old. So this man in the Bible has two time periods. He's 40 years old, and he's 85 years old. Now, I'm amazed that he would say, I'm just as strong today at 85 as he was at 40. And uh, maybe he's thinking, I'm just as strong in my faith to the Lord as I was then, but he talked about to go to war, to go in, to go in, to come out. I probably should have you turn back to Numbers 13 and 14. But to save us a little time, when they were, he was 40 years old, they had come out of Egypt, and uh, they're in the wilderness, and they've made their way over to Kadesh Barnea. And the people said, uh, I know God's told us he's going to give us this land. And he was, and he did, and he would. And they said, uh, why don't we send somebody over to just check it out? to espy the land. Well, Moses thought that was a good idea. So he chose 12 men, and they're all mentioned. Everybody knows two of them. Hardly anybody knows the other 10. And they were told, I want you to go to the land, and I want you to see the people. Are they few or many? What kind of people? Are they strong? Are they weak? Just check out the people. Then check out the land. I want you to check out the land. Is it a good land? What kind of land, do they have wood there? 
And uh, what kind of cities do they live in? Do they live in tents or strongholds? Just go check out the land and bring back some fruit. And so these 12 men, they cross over. Moses gave them instructions what to do, how to go, and they go over there. And they're there for 40 days. When they got down to a place called Eskel, the brook Eskel, they saw uh, some grapes, and they cut off a cluster of grapes with the vine, and they put it on a staff or a pole and had two men on either end of that staff carrying that cluster of grapes. Now, the Bible also mentions that they had pomegranates and figs, but most people remember the grapes. And so they come back, and they gather the people together, and they said to Moses, it's true, it is a good land. It flows with milk and honey, but there are giants over there. There are people over there, they're bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. And they're like giants, and we were like grasshoppers. In our sight, as far as they were concerned, and in their sight, giants, grasshoppers. And Caleb stilled the people, silenced them. This, at this moment, is a defining moment for Israel. It's a game changer moment. They're going to go forward or they're not going to go well. Chinese had a word called Wei Jin for one of these crisis moments. It was a dangerous moment and it was an opportunist moment. And in a crisis, there would be danger. That's why it's a crisis. And there would be opportunity to somehow get through that. And he said, as he stilled the people, Let us go up at once. We be able to overcome the land. And then the other people spoke, 10 others. And they said, we be not able to go up. The people are stronger than we are. And that's where they talked about the giants and the grasshoppers. Now picture in your mind, over here we got Caleb. We're able. Let's do it. We're able. Over here, we got 10 people, and Joshua was in this group as well. Over here, we got 10 people saying, we're not able. We're not able. We can't do this. I'll guarantee you, at Gospel Baptist Church, there are the we be able crowd and the we be not able crowd. You know, Jesus taught us when he finished up the Sermon on the Mount, he gave a little invitation, and uh, he said, Whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man to build his house upon a rock. And the rains came and the floods came and the winds blew, and that house stood. But he said, he that hears my sayings and does not do them, he is like a foolish man who built his house upon the sand. The same thing happened. The rains came, the floods came, the wind blew upon it, and that house Great was the fall of it. Every church probably produces two kinds of people. Wise and foolish. Or, in our text from Numbers 13, we be able or we be not able. Don't you want to be in the wise crowd? 
Don't you want to be in the we be able crowd? What was amazing about this whole story? All of these 12 men saw everything the same. Now, when you get to chapter 14 of Numbers, God had showed them their glory and the miracles that he did, both in Egypt and in the wilderness. All 12 of these men came out of Egypt. All 12 of these men, they were there to experience the miracles, those judgments, the death of the firstborn, the great deliverance, the Passover lamb. When they got out of the, crossed over the Red Sea, what a miracle that was. And when they got into the wilderness and they didn't have anything to eat, God gave them manna. They didn't have anything to drink. God smote home to smite the rock and the, it's like a river came out of that. They all saw that. When they went over into the promised land to spy out the land, they all saw the same things. But 10 said, we can't, we're not able. Two said, we are able. I came across a saying some years ago. It's not a Bible verse, but it could have been. But it's a great truth. It helped me to understand some people. And this is the saying. Men rarely see things as they are, but rather as they are. Did you catch that? Men rarely see things as they are, but rather as they are. There was something in those ten that was not in those two. Matter of fact, God said of Caleb, he's my servant, and he has another spirit. And he has wholly followed the Lord. We had a lady in our church when I pastored in Lexington, Kentucky years ago. She rode the bus, skinny. Husband was an alcoholic. She didn't have a whole lot. That's why she was probably skinny. But she was a faithful lady. I'd go by her house to witness to her husband. I'd go in the front door or go to the front door, and he'd run out the back. And uh, one day, she lived with, he was a drunk. One day he passed away. So we didn't see her for a while. I came across her one day, and I said, uh, how are things going? She told me about her husband dying. We chatted about that, and then she said, but I remarried. And her name was Fanny. They called her Fanny. I said, Fanny, please tell me that this new guy you married does not drink. And she said, he does. I'm thinking, why would you get out of one big mess into another big mess? But you see, they don't see things as they are, but rather as they are. There was something in that woman that responded to a guy who was a drunk. It's like she's going to mother him or something. It's like she needed that. Men rather see things as they are, but rather as they are. We can't do it. We can do it. They, they rebelled against the Lord. They wept that night. They cried. He said it would have been better if we'd have died in Egypt. It would have been better if we'd have died in the wilderness. You got to be careful what you say in a crisis moment because God heard what they said. And God picked up on what they said. 
They said, let us make a captain and go back to Egypt. Now I want you to know that was a foolish thought they had because how were they going to go back to Egypt? First of all, if they're going back, God's not going with them. Who's going to lead them? Who would that captain be? Where would be the, the pillar of fire by night and the cloud by day? What are they going to eat? What are they going to drink? Don't they understand when they get back to Egypt, if they would have gone back there, God destroyed their army in the Red Sea. Pharaoh drowned in the Red Sea. Every home back in Egypt had a member of their family dead. You think they're going to welcome them back with open arms? Not on your life. It was a foolish thing. You don't want to go back. You want to go forward. You want to go forward for the Lord. You want to be growing and serving the Lord. Here's what sort of excited me about Caleb. One of the things that I appreciate about Caleb. Did you know that six, six, six times the Bible says that Caleb wholly followed the Lord? One of them used the word fully. Now, he said himself that he wholly followed the Lord. The Bible says in our text in Joshua 14, in verse 8, 40 years old was I when Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea, spy out the land. I brought him word again as it was in mine heart. Nevertheless, my brethren went up with me, made the heart of the people melt, but I wholly follow the Lord God. Now, it's one thing for me to say I wholly follow the Lord, but it's, you know, that could be iffy. Or we could say, you know, uh, I'm a good Christian. That's one thing for us to say that, but would your wife say that? Would your children say that? Would the people you work with say that? It's one thing for Caleb to say he wholly followed the Lord, and I believe he did. But Joshua said he wholly followed the Lord. Again in chapter 14, And Joshua blessed him and gave unto Caleb the son of Jephunneh Hebron for an inheritance, Hebron therefore became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenizzite, unto this day, because that he wholly followed the Lord God of Israel. Joshua is a pretty good guy. He's leading the people. Well, what if Moses said he did? Well, he did. Moses said in Joshua 14, 9, And Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land whereon thy feet have trodden shall be thine inheritance and thy children's forever, because thou hast wholly followed the Lord my God. Caleb said he did. Joshua said he did. Moses said he did. God said he did three times. The Bible says in Numbers 14, Verse 24, but my servant Caleb, because he had another spirit with him and hath followed me fully, him will I bring into the land whereinto he went, and his seed shall possess it. He said in Numbers 32, verses 10 to 12, and the Lord's anger was kindled the same time, and he swear, saying, Surely none of the men that came up out of Egypt from 20 years old and upwards shall see the land which I swear unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob, because they have not wholly followed me, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Canaanite, and Joshua, the son of Nun, for they have wholly followed the Lord. 
And one more time in Deuteronomy, in chapter 1. And the Lord heard the voice of your words and was wroth and swear, saying, Surely there shall not one of these men of this evil generation see that good land, which I swear to give unto your father, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh. He shall see it, and to him will I give the land that he hath trodden upon, and to his children, because he hath wholly followed the Lord. Wouldn't you like to have somebody other than yourself who was a person of importance that say you were a good Christian? Somebody like a Moses that would say you're a good Christian? And somebody like God himself would say it three times? You get the impression that this guy wholly followed the Lord. Someone said that the idea there, it was a hunter's tongue. And it was like a closing of the gap. Holy, follow the Lord, a closing on the gap. It's like you're following, but you want to follow closer. I'm doing this just because of something that I read. In the Sistine Chapel, supposedly there is on the ceiling a picture of God and Adam. And God is on a cloud. And he's stretched out, and his face is toward Adam, and his every nerve is taut, and his arm is outstretched, and his finger is pointing to Adam. But there is a little distance. And then there's Adam. Adam is there, and he is in a little more laid back pose. He is not as seemingly eager to touch God. Oh, his arm is out, it's, but it's almost like it's bent somewhat. And all he has to do is just reach and touch the finger of God. Caleb touched it. Caleb followed And God said to him, I'm going to give you this land. So when we come to our text in Joshua 14, he talked about when he was 40. I just told you about that. Now he's 85. And to get where he is right now to want the mountain that God promised him, he's going to have to get past the, the grasshopper mindset and the giant mindset. It's all a matter of perspective. Those 10 said we were like grasshoppers in their sight. And they thought we were like grasshoppers too. But you know the Bible tells us in the book of Isaiah, in chapter 40, that it is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth. And the inhabitants thereof are as grasshoppers. From God's perspective, everybody's grasshoppers. That's how big he is. Those giants may just be a little bigger grasshopper, but they're like grasshoppers too. You can look at this situation through the eye of fear, which those ten guys did. Or faith, 
which is what Caleb and Joshua did. And here's a guy who is going to remind God, I can do this because God said he was going to do this. The word of God that played a part in this, in our text in Joshua 14, the latter half of the verse, thou knowest the thing that the Lord said. This is Caleb talking. The Lord said that. Down in verse 10, and now behold, the Lord hath kept me alive as he said. These 40 and five years, even since the Lord spake this word. In verse 12, now therefore give me this mountain whereof the Lord spake in that day. The latter part of verse 14. If so be the Lord will be with me, then I shall be able to drive them out as the Lord said. He went up that mountain. Probably had a sword in his hand. And the promises of God. What could we do with the promises of God? We ought to be on the victory side. But thanks be unto God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Here's an 85-year-old guy. He said, I want that mountain. I have a question. Did you ever climb a mountain? Now, if you've lived in Florida all your life and you've never left Florida, then with your naked eye, you've never seen a mountain. I saw a bumper sticker one time. There, there have been bumper stickers that said, this car climbed Pikes Peak. I saw one in Florida that said, this car climbed Mount Dora. Now, do you know where Mount Dora is? Mount Dora is over by Eustace and Tavares. It's sort of northwest of Orlando. It'd be like a huge, huge garbage dump. Not, not, Mount Dora's not a garbage dump, but it's not, we're not talking about a big thing here. A mountain. I love going to the Grand Canyon. I've done that numbers of times. And I've never climbed out of the Grand Canyon, but what I thought to myself when that guy came by on the mule, I'd give that guy $100 if he'd just trade places with me. Now, I didn't, and I wouldn't, and he wouldn't either. I just want you to know it's tough to climb a mountain. It's big. I was in Colorado Springs one time. Miss Judy and I and another couple went to Sunday school, church, just picked a place, Independent Baptist Church, out of the phone book. And when I went into the Sunday school class and the teacher walked in with a Dunkin' Donut cup of coffee, I said to myself, we're in the right place. Turned out his name was Brother Miller, great guy. We became friends. Went out to lunch afterwards, talking. He showed us what he wanted to do there, what God was doing. And uh, we just hit it off, went back to church with him that night. I got home a couple weeks later, and his wife called me. She said, Pastor Strange, my husband's just having a rough time right now. Would you just call him and encourage him? I said, if I can, I will. So I called him, told him who it was. And I said, uh, Brother Mike, I want you to go down to Dunkin' Donuts. Can you see Pike's Peak from Dunkin' Donuts? He said, yes. I said, I just want you to go down to Dunkin' Donuts and look at that mountain and say, my God is bigger than that mountain. You know, he did that, and it helped him. It encouraged him. 
Not everybody wants to climb a mountain. It wasn't the last time I was in the canyon. Well, the bud's been in the canyon with me before. He knows how tough it is. And uh, he did it a little quicker than I did it. He's got one of those walker bodies. I got one of those sit-down bodies. <laughs> I'm, going down the, I'm going down the Kaibab Trail. And here comes this man <clears throat> by himself. Now, we always went down the Kaibab. It was shorter and steeper. It came out the Bright Angel Trail. This guy's coming out the steeper trail. And so everybody's friendly on the trail. And so we stopped and talked. And the guy said, well, I came out here for my 80th birthday. I think yesterday was his 80th birthday. And he said, I hiked over from the South Rim to the North Rim. And today I'm going back from the North Rim to the South Rim. Now, I want you to know that is T-U-F-F. Tough. 80 years old. One day there, the next day back here. You've got to be in shape to do that. Here's Caleb saying, I want that mountain. And God gave it to him. And he said, God said he would do that. And God gave it to him. I think it was Bill Harvey who wrote this little song. I want that mountain. I want that mountain. Where the milk and honey flow, where the grapes of Bethsco grow, I want that mountain. I want that mountain, the mountain that my Lord has given me. Here is Caleb saying, I want that mountain. 85 years old. You know, I, I did a little study one time on geriatrics. That's the study of aging. And I learned that they, they say you are young old if you're between 65 and 74. So if you're between 65 and 74, would you raise your hand? All right, you're young old. If you're between 75 and 84, you're middle old. Are you in that group? Ooh, there's more of us in that group. If you are 85 and above, you're old old. How many are in that group? <laughs> Probably all of us that raised our hand from the 64 up weren't looking for a mountain to, to go settle. You know, we've been taught, you know, you're looking for a rocking chair. Someplace where you can just sort of go retire and relax. Not this guy. He was one of those we be able guys. I would that God would give to Pastor Bill Lytell church full of, we are well able to do this. We are well able to do this. We are well able to do this. I tell you, folks, our country is in serious trouble. Worse than we even imagine. And we need some, we are well able people to hang in there. We need people to hear what Jesus says and do it. Be wise and build our house on a rock and not that other crap. Caleb, the man who wholly followed the Lord. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes?
If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.